0: The Bigfooty Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Power. I love the power. I love the power. Hi, everyone, and welcome I to the 67th and final Bigfooty Port Adelaide podcast for season 2015. I'm your host, MacA 19, and joining me as co host once again is the lovely Porsche.
1: G'day, Mecca. Really? 67? That's an odd number to finish on. I, I don't it know is an odd number. Yeah, yeah, we well, did 69 last year, to... so a couple
0: it... less this year. So,
1: is it, It's a prime number too, isn't it? Mm. Is it... No, it's not. No. That's wrong. I'm an idiot. No, it's not. Good Hang way. on. I don't know. I'm lost. I think it's prime. Might be prime. I'm going to shut up now. G'day, Mecca. That's right.
0: I can edit all this out. <laughs> not really. I'm still going <laughs> to leave it in, but, you know. Yeah, I would. <laughs> That's it. Now, Rick couldn't join us once again, so uh, so back on the podcast for the final episode is drafter Expert and former AFL Scout, Mission Possible.
2: Hello, Maka. Hello, Portia.
0: How are you? G'day. Yeah, pretty good.
2: Totally unorganised like normal, but yeah, I'm good. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Right. Hey,
1: hey, hey. Can I just jump in with a, with a podcast brag right now? How good would we do as far as identifying players that we might potentially draft? I mean, this is the best year I think we've had in probably a decade.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, probably. I mean, pretty much everyone that we spoke about got picked except for maybe one or two players. But yeah, we, we did pretty well. Much better than mm-hmm. last year where I think nobody that we actually spoke about uh, we drafted at all. So that was wonderful.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, I don't think we could
2: have ever nailed last year. God.
1: I think you got... You got Darcy Burn jones though, didn't you? was that last year? That was the year
2: before. Uh,
0: that was the year before, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Right, yeah. yeah, last year was all the um, GOS rejects that we picked up.
0: All right, well, let's get straight into it. Um, so, I guess the first question is, who watched the new and uh, arguably improved draft night, and uh, what were your thoughts on the draft night as a whole?
1: I didn't watch it. I followed it on the net, so Mission Possible might have a bit more to say there.
2: I'm the same as Portia. Oh, actually... my goodness. I was at a school presentation night for the first, (laughs) watching it on my phone. Oh, my God, this is slow. And I got through to about pick 45. I was like, oh, can they stretch this out any longer if they try? Mm. It was good. I've criticised it previous years that it's gone way too quick, that you didn't have a chance to follow what was going on. And this year, I think they just took it to the other extreme where it was like, can you just hurry up and pick someone?
0: Yeah. Well, I guess in oh, previous no, years, it's been sort of like they've they've sort of dragged out the top 10 and, and gone through a bit of a highlights package and all that for the top 10. But then from picks 11 through to the end, they are gone in about five minutes. So you haven't really had a chance to sort of think or, you know, if you've gone to the toilet, then you're suddenly three rounds in and you've missed everything, but... I guess I'm a bit of a draft geek, so I don't really mind watching all the discussions that happen um, at the tables and you you get to hear the commentators' thoughts about the picks as they roll on, but it definitely went for too long. I mean, it went for, what, two, two and a half hours for 70 picks. I mean, it got a bit tiresome how I -hmm. I thought a club would make their selection and then it would take up to 45 seconds for the actual selection to end up being called out. Um, And I guess if they can improve that efficiency and cut it down to 15 to 20 seconds... Um, that would have been a better spectacle, uh, but I guess it's not really about the viewers in the end.
1: I think that, I mean, yeah, there might be some efficiencies to be gained in terms of going from club wanting and then the AFL approving, but uh, I I don't know. I've got no problem with the slower pace. Um, If you look at that 70 picks, what's that two rounds of NFL draft, effectively? And that wouldn't operate. That would be slower, if anything. Admittedly, there are trades in that one. Um, I think it's kind of good in a way because it means that no matter which club you support, you know that your picks are going to get a little bit of attention, Whereas in previous years, if you didn't have a top 10 pick, then there wasn't really a lot of point following live because they'd be interviewing one of the top 10 picks over when you picked a player. Um, So I think that certainly made it, I think it has made it more watchable because it means more fans of more clubs can be a bit involved. Um, I think there probably was a bit of a strategic mess up though, which was unavoidable. In that, uh, obviously, with Adelaide having their two early picks and then not picking for ages, apparently it was a bit of a walkout after their second pick, and then they were done for the day. They were just pretty happy to go home after seeing who the first two rounders were, and that was it. So that's maybe not a great yeah. result for crowds in the in the actual event, but um, I guess that's why you probably hold these things in Melbourne if you're going to follow the current format. It makes a bit more sense there.
2: Yeah, I thought just all the Adelaide fans fell off their seat when they read out their number two pick.
1: Huh. <laughs> Yes, they were really yeah, all probably all scrambling like for a little guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that.
0: Perfect timing. That was wonderful. Yeah. We might as well go through the picks now, the first round, and talk about them in a little bit more detail, I guess. Um, I guess the first three picks went pretty much as planned. Weedering number one, Shaky number two. That was always going to happen. Uh, Callum Mills was bid on by Melbourne at pick three. He went to Sydney. That was always going to happen. Uh, pick four, the pre-talk uh, or the pre-draft chatter that Clayton Oliver would go to Melbourne actually did occur. So that still baffles me, to be honest.
1: Why did it baffle you?
2: I still think it's a bit of a reach. Now, having said that, is a mid-team pick to me, so they've taken him at pick four. Hopefully, for their point of view, hopefully they know what they're doing. But yeah, doesn't he doesn't reek to me of a top four pick.
1: Uh, I think what you have to consider in with Melbourne is, I mean, I guess they're not perfect, but also, if you look at the type of midfielder he is, I think that he's someone that fits in very well with the existing midfield that Melbourne are already developing. Um, I think that he'll be, uh, I suppose, more... Uh, they'll be hoping that he'll turn out to be more of a power midfielder, uh, as opposed to an aggregator or a more defensive midfielder, because they've got that, they don't need that. Um, yeah. And so I can see why they target Oliver on that basis. Um it wouldn't have been a bad move to go with Parrish, but I can understand why they went with all of the ones that were available. And um, it didn't really mess them up because they still got their first choice of all the key position players at pick nine anyway. So, um, you know, I don't think that affected affect their strategy at all.
0: Yeah. Well, it's probably worked out pretty well for them. They probably got the the, uh, the key position forward in Wiedemann that they were after with pick nine. Mm. Uh, so they've ended up with probably two picks that they were hoping to get. Um, Oliver I mean it as I said it still baffles me how he's gone that early when he couldn't get a he couldn't even get involved in the championships didn't get picked or selected in the squads at all um, and he's just flown up the ladder in the last uh, in the last couple of months uh, but good on him it'll be interesting to see how he goes hopefully for melbourne's sake that he does turn out to be a bit of a gun um, because if if they've got this one wrong um, they probably won't live it down for a long time
1: I think that if you're a Melbourne administration, I think that Clayton Oliver not working out is probably the just another drop in the ocean. Really, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you'd be too worried about the the the, the, um, the fallout from that, um, because you know they've had a lot of early picks that haven't really worked out um, or have gone elsewhere when they you really wouldn't expect them to. So I think that if he stays in Melbourne, if he stays at Melbourne, they'll be pretty excited, even if he's just a middling player. So yeah, I think they're fine there.
0: Uh, Parish and Francis to Essendon with picks five and six. I mean, they got the midfielder they wanted and also a, a, a potential superstar in Francis who can play anywhere. Um, you can't really go wrong with those two picks.
2: Just solid speaking.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah, they've gone best available there, so good on them. Uh, Hopper was bid on uh, by the Gold Coast at pick seven, so he went to GWS. Uh, I guess the first mini surprise was, um, I guess, Gold Coast picking Kalimachi. Uh, though he was predicted to go there in the medium uh, Phantoms. Uh, but I can't help but feel that they could have uh, maybe filled a bit more of a need there with a more consistent player um, with just as much scope for improvement. But I quite like Archie. Um, he did have a poor year. He really struggled when trying to go through the midfield. Um, it's just got a real sense of sort of Ashley Sampy about it for me, though.
1: Um, in what respect, in that he's being drafted a bit earlier on that... A I bit didn't... early,
0: sort of a bit of a flighty guy. That's you know a lot, a lot of X factor, but maybe um, not a lot of substance behind him. Hoping that he can turn out to be a bit, bit of a midfielder, um, but may not actually get there and will be, um, will only ever be a bit of a sort of flighty half forward flanker.
1: I think what you need to consider is that it is Gold Coast drafting, and they've still got Scotty Clayton up there. If I'm correct, um, yeah, and he's. Preference is very much for, and there's good reasons for this, but it's very much for players that can become exceptional in some regard. and um, That goes back to something we discussed on the podcast previously about how you break zones and how you break through defences, and that's through having um, athletes with exceptional attributes. Um, the fact that has come on pretty well would be kind of tempting, and, um, you know, Gold Coast have had enough early picks that they can afford to be a little bit out there with their selections and go for talent rather than the sure thing. Um, whereas mm. a club like Melbourne or Carlton they're probably a bit more inclined to be a bit safer because they don't have those number of chances but um, I kind of feel strategically uh, like if you're looking at whether Archie's going to stay there I mean, I can't imagine that Callum Archie would stay at Gold Coast, would you? Um, you know, no, well that's, that's
0: another Port, thing like, yeah.
1: With Brendan at Port, it's like he's got three home clubs he could go to, he could go back to Perth or he could go to Port Adelaide so it's sort of adding extra bidders into every off-season that he'll get shattered up by so um, I don't know I don't know, I can understand on a talent basis but on a losing the players basis I'm not sure
2: Yeah, The go home factor I think really for interstate kids is are they playing, if they're playing they tend not to have the go home factor if they're not playing that's when the go home factor comes into it so um, I'm a bit like Maka. It's like I thought they had enough of his type running around that they could go for other players but then um, you'd As you said, he's pure talent. Um, If you're going on talent and potential, he's he's a good pick, but his potential didn't match his output this year. So Mm. which one do you rule rule your decision by? Um, Because you're looking for the best player in seven years' time, not the best player next year.
0: For me, I mean, I would have gone Malera with that pick. I think, you know, reasonably similar players. I think Malera's got a lot more scope for uh, for reaching his potential than what Archie does. But as I said, I do actually like Archie. I just don't really see the fit there with Gold Coast. That's why it's a little bit uh, strange for me why they went in that direction. But...
2: Yeah, I would have thought anyway. they would have gone at can I,
1: can... Yeah. Can I come yeah. up with a weird conspiracy theory? Um, which mm. is basically that we've seen Gold Coast trying to get future draft picks. So I'm just wondering if there's just a tricky way of doing that. <laughs> you know, you draft a player that you know you can offload to multiple clubs and one or two years' time when you think it's a better draft year or that you're more likely to need the talent. Um, it's another way of investing in draft picks for future years, I guess, is by drafting players that you know you'll be able to move on if you develop them right.
0: It's an interesting theory, but do you really want to do that years, with your pick A? Long eight? Shot. Yeah, maybe you do that with like pick forty or something, but not with pick eight. Not when you haven't made finals in, and you, you know you're five years into your your history. And, yeah, well, you Yeah. Know, the pressures. on. that. You know, th- they really need to start mean, getting some sort of success.
1: I just remember that's what they used as rationale for West Coast drafting uh, Mark Seabee back in the day when they had an, absolutely no need for him in the side, and huh. you know, so they traded him a few years later, and they didn't lose any value. So, I don't yeah. know. that was just a thought. Not much
0: sure. Yeah, well, I guess it's probably similar to port picking. You know, fifteen Ruckman in the mid sort of two thousands, and we were able to offload some of them. But yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, talking about Carlton, obviously they had four picks in the first twenty or so. Um, they got Weedering with pick one. That's a great pick. They picked Harry Mackay with uh, pick ten. They got Charlie Kurnow with pick twelve, and they got uh, David Cunningham, uh, the midfielder, with pick twenty three. So but they went tall with their first three picks. Um, and, you know, you can pretty much base your side around Mackay and Kerno up forward and, and Weedering down back for the next sort of 10 years.
2: Well, that's certainly what they'd be hoping for him, and that's what you read into the picks. Um, certainly, Weedering, you just uh, the talent. It's like he, he's got to be an AFL footballer for as long as his body holds up tight. So. Mackay, um, yeah, I'm... You know I'm high on him, and I sit there and think if if you give him the right roll up forward and let him use use his work up around Sarah Ford and not pin him back in the goal square, I think he'll be a player as well yep yeah. and if Kerno if can slip slip in around two tools and not have the pressure, I think they they've got a reasonable player there too yeah yeah you have to the clear, they're key life. yeah.
0: Their key position stocks were pretty dire. So, you know, they've gone a long way to try and solve that issue.
2: Yes. Yeah. And and again, yeah. they had to address it. So they've tried to, if it fails, well, so be it. At least you've made the decision.
1: Yeah. And it's pretty, hit, I think, I guess, this is something we had a query about at the end of trade period, but now it's kind of a lot more obvious and more sensible is that um, when they were trading away their forward line effectively, um, you know, we're sort of saying, what are they doing? And so it's come very clear they're rebuilding. That's 100% of what they're doing. And with a new coach, it makes sense um, to do that. And it's really the time to do it. So um, they've probably done about as well as they can, I think, as far as securing their future, not for next year or the year after, but at least for four or five years' time. You would have to say they're in a good position to be building and on the rise then. Uh,
0: the Crows, they landed Malera, who they were hoping to get. Um, that's a fantastic pick for them. He could be an absolute phenomenon. Um, but then they made one of the most fascinating decisions in recent memory. They picked a player called Tom Duday, uh, a player widely predicted to go sort of beyond the third round. Um, and they called his name with pick 17. I, for me, it's one of the biggest draft surprises of all time. You know, there's, there's always sort of players that sort of bolt up the ladder, and we've already spoken about Clayton Oliver. But generally, players sort of bolt um, in the prediction sort of leading up to the draft. It's very rare for a player that's picked to go in the 50s, 60s, or 70s to shoot up the ladder like that on draft night itself.
2: That's yep. a weird one. Um, I bet if they had a chance to trade picks during the draft, they would have happily traded out a pick 17 and gone, well, we can get him at pick buddy 28 and we'll have another pick at pick 32 or something like that and reply for return for our pick 17. Because I think by the time they decide that they... I would have had to know that nobody else was anywhere near picking that high for him yeah.
1: but that they', the they, they
2: sort of, they sort of their hands were tied by not having another pick in the draft
1: well they rushed to right. trade dangerfield early on and you'd have to you would have thought that the reason they'd rushed to trade dangerfield is so they had the maximum amount of time possible to trade off what they got for him and they didn't do it and they ended up in this situation it's just bizarre um you know they had the whole trade week with extra draft picks around that they could do things with and they, they didn't do anything they didn't do enough with it Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Get, I guess it's, it's, they did it.
0: bid on Harrison Himmelberg and I, I would assume that they were pretty confident that they would actually land him
2: yeah but then again I sit there and go that's a reach too like, bidding on Himmelberg that early and I think the amount of time it took them to match the bid there was a bit of that thought process coming from GWS too like, mm. really we weren't planning on matching this bid.
0: It's a bit of a strange one. I actually really like the look of him going by his highlights package. Defensively, he looks really good. He's got great awareness, really nice skills. i uh, oh, sorry, his skills could be better. Uh, I like his agility. Um, but it's about their fifth back flanker they've picked up this year. I mean, uh, that's the probably the strange part for me. I mean, in the end, I guess Ogilvy's either a genius and they've picked up Maybe who they might think is the next Scott Pendlebury, that sort of player. Or they've picked up the next Christian Howard and he's going to play about six games and that'll be it.
1: I kind of wonder if it's, oh, I don't know if it's a return to Crowbot or if it's just a weird aping of the second half of last season for Port Adelaide. Because it could be either of those. Um, mm. Like the second, like, it was really obvious, you know, you see Port Adelaide have that big resurgence last year and it was because we had all these halfback flankers in the side and if you're a shameless copycat that doesn't really care about systems but tries to copy what the other team's doing, then this is the sort of thing you'd do on a draft day, isn't it? I don't yeah. know.
0: I guess in the end they'll That's be it. hoping that Brody Smith and Rory Led move into the midfield full-time uh, and that leaves some spots down back uh, to fill. So maybe he might be one of those sort of players that can fill a spot there uh, pretty quickly. But yeah, it just seemed like one of the biggest draft surprises of all time and I think going by the reaction of the crowd at the time a lot of them a lot of the sort of buzz was sort of like, "Huh?" you know, sort of like, "Who the hell's that?" you know, no one really predicted that, but yeah, a bit of a strange one, but um yeah, It'd be interesting to see how he plays.
1: Mm, very.
0: Uh so GWS got Matthew Kennedy at pick 13, um Richmond bid twice. Uh, they picked Eric. Uh, they bid on Eric Hipwood, who went to Brisbane at pick 14. And then they picked another, I guess, a, a mini surprise with uh, Daniel Rioli at 15, another player that uh, sort of shot up the, the ladder a little bit in recent times. Yeah.
2: I don't think that, type player, that type of player doesn't surprise me. As I said last week, I reckon Archie will go to Richmond because it was just the sort of player they're craving for and there was a bit of hype about when you took him off the board. Rioli's that sort of player. Their list is craving for somebody like that. So it yeah.
0: it's almost yeah, definitely fills a hole for them.
2: It's yeah. 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 We we want somebody. To give the first two that we would have loved to have already gone. So Malera and Archie have gone and gone. Well, we'll back Talented. We'll back his highlight reels
0: in. Uh, pick eighteen was St Kilda. Mish, I want your opinion on this. Jade Gresham your
2: favourite player, went uh, in the first mm. round? Top end of where he should be going. Uh, I I think he's very vanilla mid-type thing. Um, it's probably one where you indicate that it's no depth in the draft. As far as top end depth, you're starting to get through your depth. And they've just gone for a mid, do I say he's a Melcham-type pick. Right. Like, yeah. Um, or um, who's the guy that got traded to Brisbane from North Melbourne uh, from Essendon?
0: Um.
2: Uh, who's who's North Melbourne? Uh, I can't remember. Baston. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Just those sorts of kids. Like you just sort of sit there and go, "Oh, they're solid. There's nothing exciting about them." Like yeah. um
1: I don't know, I mean I was, kind of felt like that was a the theme of St Kilda's draft is they seem to draft players that were just sorta of nothing exciting about them as far as I could see. Like kind of generic players. I don't know what their I don't know what their aim was on draft day, but I wouldn't rate them all that highly in terms of, you know, hitting players that I think are gonna be amazing. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm.
0: That's true. Moving on, the next uh, next team was Hawthorne, um, and they took a couple of punts with their uh, two picks. Ryan Burton goes to Waverley at pick 19. Uh, could be one of the players of the draft if he can re- uh, recover effectively from his leg injury. We spoke about him at length in the preview. Um, and Kieran Lovell, a player that we sort of talked about at, um, for going at one of Port's picks, uh, is another interesting one. You can't deny his talent. He's got... You know, he's pretty good physically despite his 173 centimeter stature. He's a natural bowl winner. You know, picked up obscene amounts of the bowl at the championships and um, uh, and throughout the year. But, you know, some thought he may not even get drafted at all due, due to his size. And here he is going to Hawthorne big pick, pick 22. It's, surprising. it's
2: just very early for him. Um, yep. Again, we, we commented about them needing to address their midfield issues, but... I sit there and go like that, compare him to Snelling and go, is there really 60 picks difference between those two players? Do you think... Right. Oh, no. right. you I, think it's, I think it's a big step from what Lovell's playing to AFL. All right. But yeah, one thing he has got on a... Snelling is he can
1: kick. Do you think there's anything in Hawthorne rating them highly because he's Tasmanian and they might have a bit more inside knowledge for the Tasmanian players than other clubs do?
2: I don't think so. Um, If you were talking about pick 60, I could sit there and go, yeah, there is this. Yep. Oh, this kid or that kid. This one's from Tassie. It would be a nice little story. It was not much different. So, okay, let's go that way. But when you're talking that, point in the draft, you are still looking at the best talent. You're not trying to be cute at all. You're either looking for position needs because you're desperate or just looking at the best available that suits your club. Mm -hmm. I think Tassie is a nice little benefit for them because it helps with their Tassie exposure and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, They're not going to just pick someone because
1: no, no, I didn't mean that was being the reason, but I mean that because they are in Tasmania, they would have opened up more information in regards to local talent. I imagine the local clubs would be more willing to tell Hawthorne what the inside scoop is on every junior from near dot till now than, you know, any other round. Every, same as having local advantage, I don't know.
2: Every club other than Central Districts is happy to tell you about every kid on their <laughs> list and pump them up.
1: Really? Okay. Yes.
2: Yep, yep. I, I can't say this is the truth, but it wouldn't surprise me if out north they hear that scouts are starting to get into someone and they then just play them out of position and make them have a couple of quiet games for everybody to go quiet on them. It's, <laughs> it was almost uncanny how that used to happen. And it's just like... Because they produce too much talent not to get kids drafted. All right?
0: True. Might have I don't know, maybe maybe Hawthorne, their, uh, maybe Hawthorne just like their, maybe Hawthorne just like his um, bowl winning ability, because he's a natural bowl winner He averaged something like 30 touches in the championship. Um, yep. yeah, maybe that. Maybe they like that about him, so it's, it's an interesting yep. one. I,
1: mean, I guess when you frame those two picks with Burton and Lovell, I mean, they're just real shots, aren't they? Like, they're just huge punts, and I guess if any team in the league is confident in taking that sort of punt, it would have to be Hawthorne, because they don't you know, we talk about how they need midfields for the future, but they don't need them right now. Um, so if they think the upside's potentially high enough then they're probably less exposed to uh, taking a risk that doesn't work out than pretty much any other club out there. Um, yeah. So certainly Ryan Burton makes sense in that perspective. And I don't know if Kieran Lovell does, but maybe he does. I don't know. Yeah.
2: If you are happy with Burton's medical, though, he's no pump. He's an absolute bargain at that pick, if you're happy with his yeah. medical
1: lost the medical not
2: it uh, and again they made him do a medical didn't he have a medical just a couple of days before the draft
0: yeah I think so yeah mm. yeah well that was the talk pre-draft was that Hawthorne were super keen on him and they landed him so I'm sure they're stoked yep. yeah yep. Uh, moving on North Melbourne I think they did absolutely stunningly well I mean I'm not a huge fan mm. of Ben McKay but he could become a pretty decent player uh, But. T- to land Ryan Clark at pick 31 and also get uh, Mitch Hibbard at pick 33, I mean, that's just revitalised their midfield um, straight away. I, I rate Clark and Hibbard very, very highly. Um, yeah. I think they've done super well out of this draft.
2: Yep. Except I'm going to say, Hibbard, when they look somebody who ended up at Port Adelaide, I just find that amazing. All right north melbourne some outside polish to go with all their mids that they've got jibs that would have been handy for them mm. not not, not say, inhibit, but i just think somebody's a class above okay
1: um, i've got to say i'm really disappointed that ryan clark ended up at north melbourne because that seems like it's in terms of his style and his character it seems like it's a perfect fit um I don't know, he could be one of those players that we just hate, love to hate for the next 10 years, really. That, that was kind of match-up. It was perfect. He's a perfect North Melbourne player. It's astounding. Yeah, um, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think
2: you're right. Big Clark is the type of player I do absolutely hate because I'll watch him play footy and he'll get 30 possessions a game and I'll look at him from every week and go, you're an average, you're an average footballer on talent. Mm. but you're actually good AFL football, and that frustrates me when they play for other teams.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the North Melbourne thing, isn't it?
0: Mm. Look, there was some good value on face value. There was some really good value midway through the draft. Collins fell to pick uh, 26 for the Dogs. That, um, that's a good pick for them. Uh, Tucker to 27 at Frio. He went a bit later than expected. Clark at 31, Hibbert at 33. Uh, Tommy Cole at 36. Um, he went to West Coast. Uh, Reese Matheson, he fell a long way. He went to a uh, pick mm. thirty-nine. To go from someone that was rated as a top ten pick to end up going at thirty-nine was uh, was pretty interesting as well. Harley Ballack, another one that was uh, highly uh, spoken of, he went to pick. Uh, he went to Freo at pick thirty-eight. So on face value, there's, there was a lot of value around that sort of stage. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, I and, think it ties into sort of what um, Mish was talking about last week was that. Um, there was not a lot of consensus on the players. So it wasn't that it was a weak draft, but just that not everyone agreed on who was valued where. And I think that that mixing up in the order, I mean, there was quite a bit of mixing up in the order. I guess that kind of reflects that.
2: Yes. like uh, An ordinary draft, you can get good players inside top 40. You, they seem to always fly, slide through. Like other play, clubs have 10 players that they like, and all of a sudden you sit there and go, pick 28, so all of a sudden they're at pick 38. And it looks like an absolute bargain from your own point of view. Um, And, yeah, um, it's like Horson would say that they think they've got a bargain with Lovell, right? Yeah. It's just how you rate them. You think you're getting bargains down that, that side of the draft. And then once you get past there, you then start getting to the players that you start not having confidence with so you're not overexcited. but this this group through pick 25 to 40 you quite often get surprised as to who you've been able to pick up off of your own preferred list
0: all right well let's uh let's look at port's picks now our first pick pick 32 move back to pick 37 with the academy selections um look i described this player in our preview as my favorite player in this draft pool I picked to go first round, and hopefully we'd be able to snag him back in a few years' time. Well, there's no need. We picked Riley Bonner with pick 37, and i tell you what, you could hear me screaming from China, I reckon. I was that bloody excited.
2: Yes, how is
0: Kylie? (laughs) She was in Adelaide, so it was all right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, I was stoked. You you can't expect to pick a player up like that at that pick. That's like you you feel like you've done robbery like the Crows former recruiting manager always says.
1: <laughs> yeah, um I think that it, look, it's it's a fantastic pick up and I guess that we are kind of in a position to some extent, now that we picked up Charlie Dixon to sort of pick best available and I certainly think that's exactly what we did. Um, it is a shame that he's probably a half back flanker, but I guess that's a couple of years away that he'll actually be a regular in the side probably. I don't know. Do you reckon he can be a quick starter, Mish, or do you think he'll have a bit of development time? I think
2: he's more a wingman. I hear of everybody talking about being a halfback. I reckon you want yeah. him up on the wing. You want him getting the ball in transition because you want him kicking the ball inside 50. Yeah. Right. If he's yeah. kicking the ball inside 50 for you, it opens up so many options because if he's carrying the ball and can go left or right, the forwards can lead wherever they want and he's got that penetration whereby your defenders automatically work on players can kick 50 metres. It's just their subconscious. Mm. And when you get a player who can all of a sudden kick 60, the foot kicks to it that fraction of a second earlier and the defender gets caught out of position. And the same thing, if the defender's think he's left footer coming down the field and you lead to the right, you've beaten your defender just because mm. he's just not used to the player. It's like when Mitchell gets the ball for a horse on. Oh, they do. Defenders are normally running to the normal spot. normal horse on. They're doing is leading up for the short kick in every angle, when somebody mm. Mitchell finds one. Right. So yeah, by the time you play with them, um, I I just sit there and go. You just got to work on his um, ability to get the ball and he, his ability to get it more often. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, he's I mean, one hundred and ninety centimeters. He's 85 kilo, so he's a really good size. He plays, as we've said, he's pl- played predominantly down back as a creative defender. Um, he's drawn a lot of comparisons to guys like Grant Birchall and our own Jasper Pittard as well. Uh, widely mm-hmm. considered the best kick in this draft pool, um, I had him very high up in my talent list. So I thought he was top ten. Um, I reckon he's an absolute gun. Anyone with those sort of foot skills, who's got decent pace, good spatial awareness, uh, excellent vision, and ability to take the game on is worth a lot in the modern game, in my opinion.
1: I think that, I mean, I do like the idea of him being a wingman, and I guess probably, yeah, obviously the fact that he played there, but part of the reason why people are thinking he as a halfback, including myself, is just that concept we all have in our mind now of sort of like the quarterback and halfback flanker. And I can certainly see that, um, you know, if he if he can transfer that ability to pick out targets, which I think is probably the strength I've seen, um, if he can carry that forward and actually bring it up the field. I mean, obviously we'll have to play a forward line to actually exploit it, but yeah. Um, that is a pretty tempting thing to imagine um, picking out Dixon on the league or even you know bombing long to John Butcher who might get a bit of an advantage with that 60 metre kick you're talking about it'd be nice yeah. to see
0: Well it's interesting yeah. that the Westies uh, footy manager reckons he's got a thing going as a lead up forward he reckons he'd be a better player as a lead up forward so um, I mean that could be an option as well
1: I think he'd lose his, I think he'd lose that that ability to really spot up targets to some extent. I don't know.
0: You reckon if he's playing the old Chad Corns role, up sort of half-forward flank on a wing, that sort of area?
1: If he's playing that, but if he's playing a Monfrey's role, then I think he'd lose it.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, that lead-up forward role, is, or as I sit there and say, the link between the backs and the forward lines, it's, it's a pretty similar role. It's just... Whether you're leading from the forward line up to that position or whether you're running out of defence to that position, it depends yeah. what suits your game plan. And I would assume the way Port play, it's more likely to be somebody running out of defence to that position rather than somebody leading up into that position. Because yeah. Yeah. they tend to leave Schultz at center forward and Schultze can then run back into the space that these guys have created by running forward. Board onto the football, rather than Chilksy leading up at the ball. Mm. Mm.
0: Mm. Well, I guess the question I've got is, you know, he's the best kick in the draft. He's great size, good pace, great vision. He's got all these attributes. Why did he fall to pick thirty-seven? What is it about his game that recruiters weren't keen on?
2: I would say, <laughs> if you're going to knock him, it's con- contested footy, and it's high numbers of footy. He doesn't get. He's is not yes 30 possession player at the moment is not your yeah, big pack impact player is yeah outside yeah. use the football now outside use the ball fifteen times isn't overly exciting outside get the ball twenty five times and use it is exciting
0: yeah he did average twenty three touches a game in the under 18s that uh yeah. oh, sorry the s yeah. under eighteens he averaged 18, 18 touches a game in the, yeah. in the championships and 18 touches a game in the reserves as well. So, he gets it enough. If he could get it another four or five times, I'd be pretty stoked.
2: Yeah, and that, that's why, I mate. Mean. And that's probably the difference between going, what well, I would say, around pick 20 and going top 10. Is mm-hmm. that extra five possessions a game, all of a sudden you have that extra impact on a game of footy. Um um, it's hard teach kids to increase their possession rate.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess part of it comes down to system play, doesn't it? Like, if, you know, if they can learn the system better and the team is using them effectively, then that could probably bump it up.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Um, I don't yeah. know
1: how steady his teams that he was playing in at junior level were. Obviously, you know, inside players are more in a position to just go in and get it. Um. But if you are sort of a little bit outside or receiving or whatever else, then obviously you're going to be a bit dependent on other people around
2: you. Yep. It could be part of that. But al- um, also at that level, if you if run into the right places, they'll look for you because yep. they know you could. So they'll trust you. So they'll feed you the footy. So mm. again, I haven't watched his games live to see how his running position is. But I would say that would be the one slow he's got on him. Mm. You now. That, that can be a minor tweak it can be a fitness tweak um there's 18 possessions a week in reserves Is not a bad output it's just mm. not grabbing a game by the throat
0: so where where do we see him fitting in in 2016 for me I think as you mentioned Porsche um, I think he's probably a year or two away from getting sort of consistent regular AFL footy I think it probably if he does an
1: injury hmm if he does the he's right fine.
2: thing. Yeah. Finish. Okay. If he does the right thing, I think they'll feed him half a dozen games. If he's coming along, yeah. they'll feed him half a dozen games just to get experience in him and freshness into the list and all that sort of stuff. Um there I say, if he can force his way into the best twenty two this year, we are not travelling as well as what we should be.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I kinda of think that it's gonna depend on how the club tries to shape him in terms of his development. If they try and build him up as a half back flanker, then I don't think he'll get I t I don't think he'll get a game this year. If they do go for that wing half forward role and we have similar unfortunate uh value as far as um, injuries to Polek and White and maybe Monfries, then there might be a bit more of an opportunity for him to get a game. But I think if he's brought up as a half back flanker I don't think he's got much show.
0: All right, moving on, talking about our second pick, um, another player that we spoke about at length in the podcast. Uh, Second pick was, uh, or moved up slightly to pick 45 with the academy picks as well. Uh, So we drafted Aidan Johnson, who's 184 centimetres. He's a wing-slash-half-forward flanker. Uh, Played just the one match for the year after a quad injury ruined his season. Uh, He's another sort of super athletic, very quick, good defensive pressure, hard tackler. He's got X-factor. He's a goal kicker. Um his highlights um in his highlight package are predominantly as him as a sixteen year old and they do look very good.
2: Yes. Yep. Again. he's his one of those if he'd played a season of footy and showed high possession rates, he'd be right at that point in the draft. Um you look at he's got an injury issue, he hasn't played all year. Last year's figures is as though he showed glimpses last year at TAC. The figures aren't going, oh, wow, Jibs, this guy's great. Um, but then again, he's playing for a pretty average team last year too. So there, there's a bit of faith in his talent.
1: Yeah, and I think the talent I, I deserves
2: know. a bit of faith. And at that, at that pick, you just can't help mm. but be happy with picking up a player with that talent.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a marked difference between, you know, Bonner and uh, Johnson as far as their potential to, or likelihood, I should say, not potential, but their likelihood to play AFL football. Um, I think it's a bigger gap than, what, eight picks, uh, really. But, you know, he's this player type that we can use. um, And, uh, you know, if he develops well, if he works hard, then he'd have to be a really good shot. It's nice that he's a Port Adelaide fan as well. That's always a good thing. Yeah. and, of course, he had that distinction that he was uh, actually the first NFL player on Port's list born after we entered the AFL, which is nice to think. Um, you know, no one else that's, has got is any it? memories of it. That road. just means we're
0: getting old. That's all that means.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all right, though. It happens. <sighs>
0: Very true. Well look, I mean, his athletic package is very uh is very tempting. I mean he, he did a two point nine seven twenty metre sprint, which was in the top twenty five percent. I was in the top four percent for agility, top twenty percent in repeat sprints, and also did a fourteen four beep test, uh which is very, very good. So he ticks all the boxes athletically.
2: Yeah. talent wise he's got the potential to be a Peter one That's not saying he will be, but he's got that talent set, getting out of traffic break lines, be able to do a bit up forward, he's got that talent but whether yeah. he can actually transpose that talent into actually being an AFL footballer who can do it under pressure yep. that's going to be up to the kid first to get Absolutely. his body right and then just prove that he can do it to himself
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. so I guess the same question where do we see him fitting in in 2016 and beyond
1: Magpies. Well, two years I'd say maybe you will get a game in the third year if we decide to develop well
2: yeah next year I think he's just developing physically get him mm. happy in his body feeling sound that his legs are okay get them right and then release him the following year yep
0: yeah. yeah. See so he goes. Yeah. Oh, look, unless he really, really impresses and is just that good, I can't really see him getting a game next year. I think 2017 and beyond is when I'd be looking at getting him a lot more game time um, and possibly taking over from Ro- uh, from Whitey in that sort of role.
1: Maybe.
2: Yeah, or Jake
0: Need. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jake Need. I like that call. Yeah. Could happen. Could happen. It's good to have options as well. So yes. Yeah. He certainly adds to that.
1: Hmm.
0: So yes. that was it for our national draft. Uh, just the two picks. Sammy Gray was upgraded to the senior list. So we've gone into two, six, uh, 2016 with a spare spot on the senior list, meaning we can have a nominated rookie that can play from round one. Um, so 70 picks in the national draft. Wasn't as low as what uh, some were predicting. Some were predicting um, in the 50s. I think 2013 was lower lower as well. So maybe the draft pool wasn't as bad as what some were uh, talking about.
2: I agree. It wasn't as bad. Uh, The closer it got to draft time, the more it looked like an average draft. Not an exciting draft, but yeah. But Mm -hmm. dare I say, once you got past pick 50, it was throw dart at the dartboard type stuff. Yeah. right. It is really, you got, I can't see how the clubs would have any confidence in the kids they picked past there. It was just, yeah, it's like, oh, my God, you're calling out names and you're giving them a shot. But, Jeeves, they've got a lot of work to do. And good luck to them. Mm -hmm. Because it's one hell of an achievement to get onto an AFL list from a kid's point of view. Oh,
0: yeah. So, talking about the rookie draft, uh, there were plenty of players that we had discussed in the preview that were still available in the rookie draft, and we ended up picking two of the ones that we spoke about in some sort of length. Uh, The first pick in the rookie draft that we chose was pick 10, and we chose Will Snelling from West Adelaide, 173cm, 77kg midfielder. Uh, Very good on the inside, but can also find space and get it on the outside as well, athletically um, he's got the goods. He did a 2.95 20-metre uh, sprint, so was in the top 15%. Uh, did an eight, 8.24 second in the agility test, so was top 10. Uh, was top 10 in the repeat sprint as well. Did a 14-10 beat test, so very, very good there. And a 10-minute 10, uh, 10 10-second 10 in the 3K, so was also in the top 11%. So once again, just like Johnson, athletically he's got the package. And you watch him play, and he can certainly play football as well. He reads the play exceptionally well. Uh, is able to get in and under and win the contested bowl uh, and dish off a really good handball as well. His kicking efficiency is very good. Um, he does hit targets. Uh, I guess the the main issue with his actual skills is the fact that his kick does sort of uh, top out at about forty forty meters.
1: I'm pretty pleased with this pick for a rookie pick. Um, I think that's exactly when your draft players at this height, and um, I think that you know he's as well developed at his age as you could possibly happen to be. Obviously, the upside—it's hard to see where it will necessarily be—but um, he'll probably get a good shot, I'd imagine. Um, to I don't know—he I don't know if he'll play real games in 2016, but he might get a couple of NAB challenges. Um, yeah, if he has a good preseason, that might, might be on the cards. And then we'll get a bit more of an idea of how his skill and his ability might translate to AFL level. But obviously, you know, he's still a 18-year-old and he's got development to do. Um, he might have the body, but he's still got to learn the, um, how the game's played and learn his team structures and all that sort of fun stuff as well. So, But, um, look, his pedigree pretty awesome. If he was 10 centimetres taller and he had a kick, um, he'd be really right up there. So it's all on him now. Yeah. Got a lot of work to do.
2: Um, that's good. The kid deserves a shot.
1: Um, yeah.
2: It's funny, you read what Parker said. It's like his coaches rate him, he's performed... He deserves a shot. It's almost as if it's like the kid's done everything, right? I'm actually not 100% convinced myself, but he's done enough to actually get a shot at footy. Now yeah. it's up to him to prove prove that I'm wrong and he's right.
1: Yeah, I think seeing much.
0: the success of Sam Gray in the, in the back half of the year, uh, who's also around about that sort of height range, um, has maybe sort of opened the doors for someone like Will Snelling and... Um, you know, guys like Kieran Lovell as well. Um, but look, I mean, that's the only thing really holding him back from becoming successful, I think, is the fact that he's 173 centimetres. I mean, he can play footy. He averaged 21 touches at the championships, averaged 19 touches at uh, senior SANFL level throughout the year, averaged over 20 touches a game uh, in the final series, had a ripping grand final as well. So he's done it on the big stage, and he's done it at senior level. So that's uh, that's certainly something that's a big tick. Um, in his box, I think.
2: Yep. I, I think more to hold him back is his kicking penetration, which just everyone's going to keep going on about that. But he also just needs to be a bit tidier around the packs with his handballs right. not A bad handball, yeah. just every now and then he seems to make one where he's not quite concentrated enough and just turns the ball over through lack, lack of execution more than lack of talent. But that's experience, Mike. That's the difference yeah. between an 18-year-old and a 24-year-old on your list.
0: As you said, Porsche, I reckon he's the perfect rookie pick. I really like it. Um, and look, I mean, he's the sort of player that I could definitely see coming in and actually getting games throughout the year.
1: Yeah, um you it'll come down to, you know, what the team needs are at any given time. Obviously, we've got that free spot where we can do a bit of messing around and if all of our half-back flankers are fine, then it probably won't be Cracker. Um, so he might well get a shot. But you'd have to think that Unless he has an amazing free season if we were looking for a small midfielder off our rookie list, we'd probably still be going for Kane Mitchell rather than um, Will Snelling, unless he does something impressive.
0: Yep. Mm. That's it. All right. So, uh, the second...
2: I'd probably be the other way around. I'd probably play Snelling in the hope that he becomes a good footballer. And I think if you're playing Mitchell, it means that somebody like Snelling's not actually standing up.
1: I think it comes down to where the team is um, in terms of what they need and where we are on the ladder. Like if we're mid-table again, then yeah, obviously second half of the year you're probably thinking, well, we'll invest a bit in Snelling. But if it's sort of like you're trying to grind out every last little bit of a win because we're having a lot of close games or whatever else, and I think you kind of would favour that experience of Kane Mitchell over Will Snelling um, if you did need to bring one of them in. I don't know. I mean, you wouldn't. If it's really hot like at, the, at any stage of the year, like we're maybe you know still fighting for top position or whatever else, I think you'd probably still lean towards him, um, lean towards Mitchell over Snelling pretty much just because he's been there, he's shown he can perform in an AFL side when it's a, an important game, not just in crap games and just that little iffiness in relation to obviously Snelling coming in and playing his first game. Um, I don't know. It depends on rotations, I suppose. But we've got the sub all gone, so it might limit his his ability to play as well, or well, both of them really.
2: It'd be interesting. Grand final. If we're picking team for grand final, yeah, I'd pick Mitch over If we're yeah. picking for someone team for round 15, and we're looking like having to have a midfielder come in for one week. Yeah. Unless yeah, unless maybe. we're eight and seven, or something like that, and we're desperate for a win. I'd rather play Snelling and give him the exposure to AFL.
1: I mean, if we're game clear on top, then yeah, pick Snelling every time. But, you know, if we're right in the mix or we're fighting for top four, then you don't want to mess around um, when there's such yep. an obvious choice of a, a slightly more experienced player that can just contribute that little bit more right now. Yep. Yep.
0: Mm. All right, that's it. Alright, second pick was pick 28, uh, and we chose another player that we did speak about in the preview. We chose Cameron Hewitt of North Adelaide. He's a 188cm midfield utility, likes playing inside, but can also play across half-forward or in defence as well. He reminds me a lot of Aaron Young in that department. He seems deceptively tall, quite wiry. Uh, For me, the other three uh, players that we've spoken about so far have been very athletic, uh, for me, Hewitt is one that Burjo needs to put in a lot of work on, uh, for me. He did a 3.14 uh, 20-metre sprint, so was the fourth slowest midfielder tested, uh, was bottom 11% in the repeat sprints, did a 13-1 beat test, so he was in the bottom 15%, and was also in the bottom 30% in the three-kilometre tr- uh, time trial as well. So he's got a bit to work on uh, physically, uh, but there's actual parts of his, uh, of his football um, that do seem to have a lot of ability. Um, and does have a reasonable amount to work with.
1: I think you're right in terms of Burgess, um, and I think he's definitely one of those guys where if if his fitness is not absolutely up to scratch at the end of the first year, he'll probably be cut, um, for sure, I would imagine. Um, Yeah, because that's going to be the the big query. Um, But I've got to say, I'm not super excited about this pick, and I've had a bit of a whinge on draft day, but if I'm looking at who went after him, I'm not really convinced that anyone else should have been picked at that pick, so... Um, we'll
2: see, very speculative but um, it's all on him Yeah well, what did I say last week, I don't think he's an AFL talent so it doesn't thrill me Um, but as Portia said it's like really, of those that got picked after him, who do you sit there and go oh jeez, I wish we got him instead and yeah. it's just not that it's like I, I sit there more along the lines of tubes I would have rather Tahana, but there's obviously a reason why Tahana's got overlooked by everyone. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, look, I think Tahana's uh, draft combine was pretty poor. Uh, he really struggled there, and he he's a player that doesn't really get much of the ball. He's only sort of a, yeah. a 12 yeah. to, f- to 14 disposal a game player, so mm-hmm. that's probably a reason why he's pretty much struggled. I think, to get picked, even though I would have liked him as well. He was one of my favourite players going in. Mm. Um, But he's probably a player that, uh, you know, if he he plays really well this year, then he'll probably get another chance. Yep. Uh, But back on Hewitt, I mean, for me, his clearance work looks pretty good. He's got a real thirst for the contest and and he's clever at finding space. Um, For a right footer, I think he's got a really neat left foot as well, which is important. Um, and he's got decent reach for his height as well. He seems to have long arms. Um, I mm-hmm. can personally see him getting two years on the rookie list. So I think he's got a lot to work on. But I think there's the, a core of a decent footballer there. Um, and look, statistically, he didn't really play many games this year. I think he only played about six games. Um, he averaged 19 touches at uh, uh, in the championships. He averaged 21 touches at under-18 level. And he played one reserves game where he got 23 touches at uh, 82%, which is uh, pretty decent.
2: Yeah, yeah, so so again, a kid like that gets a chance to prove that he can progress. If he progresses, they'll keep him. If he stagnates, he'll be gone. And that's the yeah. joy of one-year co- contracts on the rookie list rather than drafting some kids, is you get to see whether they improve. Yeah, true. True.
1: All hmm.
0: right, that's right. Alright, third pick is uh, Dan Houston, 186cm mid sized forward. Reminds me a lot of Mark LeCrae or maybe a little bit of Jason Paul Pleasure in there as well. Um, he's a strong lead, a strong mark, looks to have a really nice kick for goal. He's a player I didn't really pay much attention to pre draft. Um, but for me, I just want to see more of him as a player. Um, his highlights package does look pretty decent, but it is also very one dimensional. Um, I want to see what he does off the ball. I want to see how hard he works. I want to see his leading patterns. Does he repeat lead? Um, you know, what's his defensive pressure like? Can he actually play through the midfield? What's his tackling like? All those sort of questions that um, that I've got about him are um, uh, unanswered at this point in time. I'd agree
1: 100 percent with
2: that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I sit there and go, mate. Yeah, that high I love that you can lead and you can jump and you've got that part to your game. But you, that's gonna that's the thing that should be a bonus to you and not your staple. So you need to become a midfielder who can go forward and do that rather than be a forward who, from what little we see, shows no ability to actually be a midfielder. Yeah. Um, so now whether... Well, the port's seen him play in one game up the field where he's actually done something properly. You get there and go, well, yep. Yeah. Because Robbie Gray, is under 18, he really only played one game in the midfield where he averaged 18 possessions or something like that as a full forward going for everywhere else. He had one game in the midfield where he got 35 touches. And you could see what he could do in the midfield. So... Is sometimes you just by circumstance, like Robbie Gray was injured and carried an injury all year, so he didn't play mid. So whether this kid can actually do it has shown a glimpse of being able to play in the midfield, which I hope he has. Because yeah, otherwise he's just a um, amateur footballer who dominates at that level, mm. but at Sanford or AFL level, they just don't survive.
0: Well, look, if that's all he's got to his game is the lead mark goal sort of thing, I think he's uh, he'll be one and done in terms of it, um, the amount of time that he spends on the list. But, look, hopefully he does have something else. Hopefully the club has seen um, some other sort of footage of him, um, which does show that he does have good defensive pressure. He can play through the midfield, can win the ball. Um, it's stated in the, in the draft guide that... Um, uh, the Oakley did throw him through the midfield throughout the year, and he did very well there um, for for some amount of time. Um, so whether he does ha- have that potential um, would be would be good to know and good to see.
2: Yeah, and normally you don't get to captain your club if all you are as a lead mark, undersized footballer. Yeah.
0: Well, look, and he had a really good year as a sixteen-year-old as well. Last year he had a very very good year and was very highly thought of. So. Um, I think he's definitely got a lot of talent. I think his one trick at the moment is a very good one. Um, you know, certainly if he's got that sort of ability to, to leap high and take good marks, um, you know, kick goals, um, and if he can do that at SANFL level and, and later on at AFL level, that'd be that'd be a bonus. But yeah, just want to see more. I want more. And then the fourth pick, pick fifty-seven, uh, we redrafted people's favourite Kane Mitchell.
2: Well, yeah. that was a given. Like, yes. Like, basically, yeah, you've gone up to Kane and gone, we're going to delist you, we're going to rookie you so that we can actually get a higher pick in the draft rather than a pick at the end of the rookie draft. So, yeah, it's just a done practice these days for somebody who's very on the edge of the list. Yep, yeah, you still get your chance to play on and you have a good year, you'll get to stick around again. But, yeah, you're at that crossroads of your career and everybody knows it.
0: Oh, look, at least Kane Mitchell has proven that he can play decent AFL footy. That's one thing that he's got. And he can play decent AFL footy against very, very good opposition. All his best... As we've spoken about on the podcast before, all his best games have been against sort of top four or top six opposition or in showdowns. Um, so that's a big tick um, in his box for me as well. Um, needs to improve his kicking, but, look, I mean, he's there for depth. He's the perfect sort of depth player. Um, if he comes in and plays sort of three or four games, you know, it's not going to be an issue. If he ends up playing sort of 20 games, uh, then it might be a bit of an issue, I think. So overall, what do you think uh, of our draft in 2015? How did we go?
2: I think it's of the better draft we've had. Nope. Yeah, I mean, as far as... For, for what picks Sorry. we had, it's just we've nailed the draft, I think.
1: Yeah, I think as far as addressing needs, well, I mean, the fact that we managed to land Dixon in trade period suddenly meant that our needs were than they had been in any year for a long time. Um, and so that gave us a bit of a luxury to just say, hey, there's Bonner. Fantastic. We don't really need him, but how can we pass him over? And we didn't have to. We just picked the player. So uh, that paid off well. Um, we didn't have an amazing picks, but I think we drafted well. I think we drafted as well as any other club. Um Realistically, I think if you were rating us against the other clubs in terms of what we got for the picks we had, we'd have to be—I'd say we'd have to be top eight, wouldn't we? At least top eight comfortably. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think we did all right just in terms of pure value. Um. And yeah, it's a bit of a tick at this stage, but I, I guess we'll see if um there's any. I don't know. I mean, even if only Riley Bonner of this draft turns out okay, then again, considering the the picks that we had, then you can't really complain about that. That's probably about what you'd expect. That'd be an average result.
2: Yep. And getting Bonner where we have basically it means you've paid nothing for um, Tumpus.
1: Yeah,
0: so that's right. Tumpus yeah. has
2: basically been a free swing at a player. We've basically given up nothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm very happy as well. Look, if Bonner comes good, if uh, if one of those other players like Johnson or Hewitt or Snelling, becomes an AFL player, we've done exceptionally well. Um, When you throw in Dixon into the mix, um, and look, I mean, the key for me is really Tumpus. If Tumpus can find some of that ability that he had in the underages, I mean, we've absolutely nailed this off-season. Yep. So, final thoughts for 2015.
2: Oh, again, excitement for next year. It's like last year. Hopefully next year won't be as disappointing. But going into, going to be going into next year with expectations of being able to be there on grand final day. a makes summer a very long time.
1: Oh gosh, Um, it was obviously a bit of a disappointing year I think um, in terms of our final result but I think that we're coming out of it with a much stronger side. Um, uh, It kind of reminds me of probably Brisbane Lions um, right, right after the merger when they had a really shit year and they were just sort of all getting their stuff together and they obviously had a lot of things going on, but their list was getting better, even though they had a shit year. And I think that's definitely what we've done. Like our defence right now, I'm really, really confident is a premiership defence. Um, and of course, you know, adding potentially, depending on how they play, but adding potentially Tumpus and Bonner to what we already had. Uh, that's pretty nice. Um, we got the power forward in the off season for Charlie Dixon, which will obviously that was a huge problem for us during the year. Um, and uh we've kept on John Butcher, which I'm a bit iffy about still, but you know, we've got a little bit of depth at key position now, which is fantastic. Um so if you look at it, it's probably as Paul Keating would say, it was the recession we had to have. Um, I think that uh, really it was just a good year for us to get everything together, um, face up to a lot of the I suppose bullshit that we had been thinking about ourselves in previous years. Uh and hopefully that puts the club on a, a really strong footing to work really hard in this off-season and have the right focus going into next year. Um, I know that Ken Hinckley's gone out and said it's his fault, but I, I, and apparently that's real talk, but I don't think that's real talk. I think that's just him um, being the captain um, effectively and just, you know, whatever happens is on him. Um, and I think he might be protecting a few players or coaches in that statement that he made a week ago. Um but yeah, I think that as a club, it's a really great chance for us to come in next year and be a genuine contender. Like not just thinking, hopefully, top four, but I think we should be, realistically, we should be in contention for the Premiership in 2016, um, which would be great.
0: Absolutely. I hope we use this year as motivation. Uh, mm. We had the chance this year. We couldn't get it done. Let's make sure we don't make the same mistake twice. In 2016, we've got a great squad. We've got a great draw the premiership's there for the taking, you know, let's go at it hard. That's all I've got to say.
1: It, it's almost like a less yep. painful version of 2002 and 2003. You hmm. <laughs> know, <laughs> we've had those two years where we sort of thought we could make it, but rather than actually getting super, super high up and getting smashed in finals, we really let ourselves down during the year and then did okay in finals, realistically. So, um,
0: yeah.
1: yeah, it's probably, psychologically, it's probably a little bit of a better position to be coming into Um
0: We'll see. Mm. Right, that's it. Well, that's the podcast done for another year. I've got to give a big shout-out to all our listeners who tuned in and supported us throughout the year on Port Fan Radio, who interacted right. with us live on Twitter or gave us a call. Uh, we really appreciate all the support that we got um, and do get. And a massive, massive thanks to Rick for uh, for yeah. setting up this uh, this system and you know putting his hands in his pockets and, and paying for the whole thing. Yeah, massive, massive kudos.
2: Yeah, I was going to say thanks to New Vision.
0: Thanks, uh, sponsor. That's great. Uh, Massive (laughs) thanks to all the guests we've had on throughout the year, whether that's uh, those from the club or those from Big Footy. Uh, It's been a real buzz chatting to you all again in 2015. Um, And to Rick and also Portia, a massive thank you for all the time and effort um, you've put in to make this podcast what it is.
1: I reckon that... My effort would be less than half of what yours was, Macca, but thank you very much. And thank you, Macca, because no one says thank you, Maka. So thank you, Macca, you've been fantastic. Um, When your co-hosts and guests get off track, you're very good at keeping us on track, so well done. And um, it's going to be great going into next year. Hopefully we'll lift our game as well as the club.
0: Yes, no doubt. (laughs) It's going to be a big year in 2016. We'll be back, hopefully better than ever. Um, And hopefully Rick shows his face sometimes as well. That'd be great. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, he'll be fine until the financial year, you'd hope.
0: Stop making <laughs> billions, Rick, and come and join us on this uh, piddly podcast. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> That's a good end. On that note, okay. can't appear. Can't
1: afford. Oh, the heat's on in the kitchen. Oh, look and at this. Play it simple. It's good attack from Galapante. Carlo
0: lines Oh baby The finest of lights